Hello, everyone. Welcome to Health Formation, the podcast where we give you health and wellness news to use. This is Katie. I'm your host, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I have to say that I'm so excited that you are listening to this episode. It is definitely one of my favorite interviews that I've had so far in creating this podcast for you guys. So today you will be hearing a conversation between myself and actually someone that I met on social media named Mark. And you'll just be hearing Mark's journey and his journey to health pretty much and how he was able to utilize his lifestyle to really take back control of his own health and I think that you will certainly learn something in this episode and in through this conversation about how to maintain your health or improve something that you're looking to improve in your own life and if you are one of my patients and I've referred you to listen to this episode I hope that you will come back to me and want more information about how you can maybe apply some of these principles to make yourself healthier I think that there is definitely in this conversation something for everyone. So I'm so excited that you're tuning in and listening to us today. So let's just get right into my conversation with Mark. All right, everyone. So I am here today with Mark Ristine. So Mark and I don't actually know each other. This is our first conversation, but I met him, I guess you could say, through social media. Um, So we are in a plant-based support group together, which is very fun. And I am excited to have him on the podcast today. So I actually invited Mark to be on because he posts a lot of uplifting posts about his successes with plant-based eating. And I wanted to talk to him a little bit about his journey and his transformation. So Mark, thank you for joining Health Formation. Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. It's a little early in the morning, but I'm all right. (laughs) Why don't we start out by just having you talk a little bit about yourself. Tell me who you are, where you're from, your background, that kind of thing, just for our listeners to get a good background on you. So I'm a 52-year-old guy. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, I now live in the Poconos, which is just north of Philadelphia. Uh, We live on a 10-acre goat farm, uh, which I'm sure you'll find amusing considering I'm plant-based at this point. Um, I have a 28-year-old son and a 9-year-old son because I'm not that smart and I'm an incredible (laughs) family planner. Uh, Currently, I work in automotive and sales, but I have been everything from a youth pastor to uh, an independent contractor doing consulting uh, to a professional stand-up comedian. So I've had quite a few jobs. My life growing up food-wise, we were a middle-class family, so lots of meat and potatoes. Um, boxed cereal for breakfast, uh, lunches was usually a sandwich um, with strum and white bread and Bachman's pretzel sticks, um, jello pudding in a tin, really delicious stuff. Uh, <laughs> and dinner was always together at 6 p.m. when dad got home, meat and potatoes uh, and a little bit of dessert. Uh, I ate that way uh, pretty, pretty much up until last, uh, well, last August, I guess, is when I started transitioning. Um, health-wise, Things have not been awesome. I've blown up to as much as 400 pounds at one point. Uh, lost a bunch of that, but didn't really change how I ate. Did that through dieting. Had really an exciting run as an alcoholic, uh, which we'll talk about on a different show, not this one. <laughs> uh, and then ended up really sick. I uh, had diabetes, which was uh, diagnosed but untreated for probably seven years. Um, had progressed to the point where uh, neuropathy in the hands and feet didn't care much. Went to the doctor once every three or four years. He would tell me we should do something. I'd thank him for his time and I'd go home. Um, 
was probably somewhere in the back of my mind aware that that was going to be fatal at some point. But that seemed so far in the distance um, that it didn't it didn't motivate me to do anything. Simultaneously ran a pretty good clinical depression, uh, which I didn't tell anybody about. I just lived with that. And food is wonderful, said sarcastically, medicine for depression. You can eat all kinds of things to make yourself feel better pretty quickly and keep that a secret and continue to function. Brings us to this summer. Um, I got an abscess on my buttock, which is the best place in the world to get a little abscess. Those are actually very common. You'd be surprised to know. That's what they told me. <laughs> I felt bad for everyone else who had them. Um, tried to make that heal on its own, which after about a week it didn't. It had gotten quite large and incredibly painful. Uh, my wife said, let's go to the emergency room. Uh, I, I didn't really want to go because I was aware that, that the gig was about to be up, that I was about to get busted for a whole lot of medical stuff beyond this abscess. Um, but I couldn't sit down and I couldn't sleep, so we're going to go to the hospital. We, of course, get there, and I plead with them, just lance this thing and send me home. Uh, and they said, well, Mr. Ristine, your blood sugar is in the high 300s currently. Um, we have some concern that if we just lance this thing, uh, you're going to go sepsis pretty quickly, and you're going to be back here, and you are in big trouble. Um, then they hit me with some Dilaudid, which cleared the cloud in my brain enough to let me say, what, what do we need to do? And they explained that this abscess, while not caused by the diabetes, um, that condition in my body became food for that bacteria, which was just mm -hmm. living off all of that sugar. And as a bonus, I completely depleted my immune system, so I couldn't fight back. So this was uh, my projected trajectory if we didn't do anything. That was okay. the best day of my life. Can I ask you some questions? I feel like we have a lot to unpack there. Sure. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I loved it. It was a great intro. I definitely want to get back to the goat farm, but I think we can circle back to that later. Yep. Um, so I want to start out with your initial weight loss. So you said you got up to 400 pounds yep. and then you had lost some weight. And this was before you were diagnosed with diabetes. Is that correct? Um, at, at that time, I was diagnosed pre-diabetic. Okay. Uh -huh on your way to diabetes. Yep. So what did you do at that time to lose weight? Uh, they used to call it Atkins. I think they call it keto now. Okay. So low carb or true Atkins? Low carb. All yeah, right. Low, it was less than 20 grams a day of carbs. Were you doing a high fat too? Absolutely. Okay. Best and... diet ever. <laughs> <laughs> so you enjoyed doing that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And how much weight did you lose in um, that in that first run, I got down to probably 320, pretty successfully. All right. So 80 pounds. That's pretty good. How long did that take? About six months. Awesome. So you maybe were simultaneously worsening your diabetes or maybe get making it a little better with the weight loss. You, I guess we didn't really know because you, you weren't going to the doctors or getting any lab tests. Well, I did uh, go back for a follow-up and my sugars dropped. Um, okay. Because of the weight loss, basically. Right. Uh, and it was very short term. So in my head, yay, I'm healed. I'm good. Let's get back on with our life. Right. So then what happened? Did you stop doing keto and then you went back to a normal a normal diet or a standard American diet? Um, yes. I, I quit drinking, which was a big help. Um, I forgot that component. Well, that's a minor insignificant thing. It just results in jail time, um, <laughs> which I didn't serve, by the way. Um, but okay. I quit drinking. And then went back to a standard American diet. Okay. And then gained all the weight back. 
No, I kind of stayed at 320. Um, okay. In, in fact, right before I got sick, I was at about 269, 270. Okay, uh, so you actually which, lost a significant yep. amount more weight. Yep. Awesome. All right, so then you said your di- you had some diabetes and it was left untreated. So yes. was that untreated because you were like, oh, this is a little thing that I don't really care about. I'll deal with it later. Or was it more of your healthcare provider saying you have diabetes, go do these things, and then we'll see if it gets better or both? Um, probably a combination of both because I didn't, I didn't have a good, I didn't have a tight relationship with my physician. It's somebody who you saw when you needed a rabies booster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, look, you, I think at that time my, my A1C was probably a 7.5. This would have been five or six years ago. Sure. He said, You're headed for trouble with this. Like, let's get you on some meds. And I said, no, I can do it with food because in the past I did the Atkins thing and I totally turned it around. I don't, I don't need meds. I'll be fine. And then I stopped seeing him. What was his response to that? Did he help you and talk to you about nutrition at all or exercise or anything? Um, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Cut your carbs, which is kind of the standard advice that, that even I got this time. And I love my physician and she understands what I'm doing. But the initial advice is I just want you to cut the carbs. Right. Uh, so for him, cut the carbs and let's get into some physical activity. Okay. You know, that's better than what a lot of doctors would do, which is not talk to you about anything lifestyle. So it's good. Good start. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then you have this extra added layer of the concomitant depression. Do you think that that contributed to your lack of desire to do anything about your diabetes? Or was that just kind of a whole separate thing that maybe the eating kind of healed or filled that maybe the alcoholism void or something, something else? So to me, I think that's a chicken and the egg question. I I don't know what comes first. Do you eat because you're depressed or are you depressed because of how you eat? So so your word concurrent in my head, that's how they have to go. They're they're teamed, they're together. Right. Um, I can't separate one from the other. Neither was helping the other. My brain was not getting the nutrients and oxygen that it needed because of how I ate. And my spirit, my soul, uh, was not able to heal or uh, regulate itself because of the of the crap that I was dumping into my system. I love that you said your spirit and your soul because, you know, when you're thinking about making this kind of lifestyle change, there are so many more things than diet and exercise that we have to think about. And we have to focus on the mind as well, because if you don't heal your mind, then your body isn't going to also get healed. So I think that that's a really important component as well. I think that was all my questions for the first part. Can I add something right there? Please. I just want to jump ahead, but it ties to that. So. Mm I'm in this hospital bed in the ER. They're lancing the boil. Um, I'm a little bit whacked on the Dilaudid. And they're explaining to me, do you want this to be the rest of your life? Which really I didn't. Like Previous to that, if I died in 12 years, that's okay. But, but I don't want to die from a pimple on my butt at 52. That is a dumb reason to die. Mm, I agree. But I, I knew that I had to address the depression. If I didn't address the depression... I would be unsuccessful in addressing the diabetes just because I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't motivated enough. So I came out to my wife with the depression and we've been married 10 years. She didn't know. Um, in fact, and I might cry when I tell you this. I, I said to her before I went to the, my doctor after the emergency room, I said, look, I, I need to tell you, I am, I am severely depressed. Um, and I have a hard time getting out of bed sometimes. And she said, Oh my God, I thought you hated me. Her interpretation of that was that it was about her. 
um, which is just awful. But once I told her, I thought, oh, man, now, now you're done. Now you're, your secret's out. So I went to this doctor, and my wife knew her, but it was the first time I met her. And I said, look, I, I have this diabetes that we need to fix. But before we do that, I, I need you to help me with this depression because I can't think. I can't do this on my own. I won't make the right choices. I have to do it together. And I was blessed enough to find a doctor that looked at me and said, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I would be wasting my time and your time to treat the diabetes if we do not treat the depression. So we talked about that briefly. And then at the end, she held my hand and she said, you're not, you're not going to be alone. I will have you in here every two weeks until you're on your feet. And, and you're not going to do this alone. And if she didn't do that for me, I don't, I don't know that I would have advanced anything at all. I, I could have run. And it was her ability to stop and hold my hand and say, I, I got you, that made all the difference. That's amazing. And also, I mean, that's awesome that you even had that insight because a lot of people wouldn't or they would feel ashamed by their their depression or anxiety or whatever mental block that they had and not be able to move past that. And I think that that's that was that's great. Okay, so then you so you worked with her and I'm assuming your wife and your family to move move through the depression, work with it, and then also change your diet, right? Um, yes. She, uh, the next day, sent me to her partner endocrinologist. So I had the GP and the endocrinologist. Okay. Uh, the endocrinologist let me know that with an A1C of 13, which may have been that high for years, we were going on insulin right away. And there wasn't. Okay. Not a choice. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to go on the insulin. We're going to treat the depression. And I want you to cut back the carbs. And, and she was gentle enough to say, I'm not going to ask you to change your whole life. She's not, I just want you to cut back on the carbs, no diet sodas, and please consider exercising a little bit. Um, which again, it was that gentle, left space for me to not be scared to death. What do you mean I have to change my whole life? Um, that gave me the ability to say to my wife, you're going to tell me what to eat for the next two weeks. I don't want to think about anything, and I hate to put this on you, but you need to cook it. You need to pack it in my lunch, but I promise you, if you didn't pack it, I'm not going to eat it. Like That's the part I can do, but I need you to take in all this information just for a minute for me until I get my feet under me because I, I don't want to do this, and I'm frankly terrified that this is the rest of my life. And, and how'd she, she do? She did wonderfully, absolutely wonderfully. Um, so we basically cut back on the carbs and fat. Still had eggs, still had homemade yogurt, um, which we were making here. Still drank raw, fresh milk, which I love still. Don't drink it anymore, but I love that. So still doing some things that I would consider now not compliant. We're still using oil at that point. But notice within the first, uh, I guess, two months, I was able to drop 20 pounds. Uh, I was able to bring my blood pressure down to 130 over 86. Was feeling better. My head was clearing. You know, it took six to eight weeks for the depression treatment to really kick in was feeling generally better by month two so simultaneously of your your medication that you were using for your depression which takes up to two months to see the effect of the medication you're also lowering your blood sugar and bringing your blood sugar to a normal range which is doing immense benefit for your brain and helping you to clear out yes. your brain fog and give you energy so how are you feeling at this point Definitely not fighting myself to get out of bed in the morning. Definitely mm -hmm. not reminding myself, you're an adult and you need to make a living. 
doesn't matter how you feel, get to work, able, able to move, still some anxiety, but not like it was and uh, spaced further and further, the episodes of that. Um, energy wise, I was already 20 pounds lighter, so my body could move a little bit better. I didn't increase my physical activity uh, in the first two months, but generally I walked between six to 8,000 steps a day just at work, just moving around. But those steps were becoming faster and brisker. And um, I wasn't, if I had to go somewhere, I wouldn't say, let me save that to a time when I need to go somewhere else and put them all together. I would just go whenever I need to go. Um, so gradually increasing my movement and physically feeling um, probably much better and sleeping less because previous I was sleeping an hour at a time. But I would have to sleep for 10 hours to get enough sleep in. Um, right. Now, four or five hours straight through, but that was all I needed. And improved sleep quality, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And were you experiencing any kind of like physical pain from your obesity and diabetes and depression before you started getting healthier? Um, so that's a great question because you threw the depression in there. There's some pains that I'm not sure are physical pains, but manifestations of a, of a spiritual soreness. So low back pain for sure, muscle stiffness and joints, knees, things like that were, were definitely diminishing. But I, I wasn't in any chronic pain. Okay. I also wasn't well, urinating every hour, which was just a great treat because I could actually go somewhere and not try to figure out where the bathroom was. Right. Awesome. Um, so how did you transition then from this very healthy way of eating to a whole food plant-based diet. So remember before we did the Atkins thing and that, that yep. showed me that food, food has a major impact on your body and, and it's this neat chemistry experiment. And if you push this button, this reaction happens or pull this string, this consequence happens. So I learned that through Atkins. And then there was a movie ah, four or five years ago called Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. Um, which was really about raw food, um, primarily liquid, you know, blended smoothies. And this was one of those times where I was like, can I beat the diabetes? Sure, let me do that for two weeks. And I did. And I lost 10 pounds in two weeks and my blood sugars came down and my eyesight improved. Like I could see that from that diet. So I said to myself, yeah, you can beat this whenever you want with food. So you don't need to beat it at all because it's, it's truly that simple. <sighs> so fast forward to now, I'm sick again. But, but in the back of my head, I know that, that the answer is food. The answer is not medicine. That, that medicine is wonderful, but if you, if you don't do anything else, you're going to stay on the medicine forever, which includes increased doses, and it includes other side effects that you maybe don't want. But I'm grateful for medicine, but I, don't, I can't live on it because something's going to kill me, the diabetes or the medicine, um, or a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. So I started reading about food and diabetes, and I saw a film called Forks Over Knives, which blew my mind, the results in that film. And then the book, The China Study, that that film was based on, about geographical sections of people. Sometimes they live within miles of each other, but their cultures and diets are so drastically different. And you can see on a graph the disease rates. Like It's, it's really simple, basic math. It, it's it's not a puzzle. So I said, wow, knowing this is true and seeing this, let me try this. Um, so then we cut out all dairy except eggs and all meat. We were doing eggs. We were doing still oils and still, I guess, a little bit of butter. But then I kept reading. I kept reading. And I found a book called How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger, who's, who says, sure, if you eat meat, you're hitting yourself with a hammer. 
but if you eat less meat, you're hitting yourself with a smaller hammer. How about you stop hitting yourself with a hammer? And I said to my wife, how about we just stop it all? What, what if we just stopped it all? And her and I were on vacation that week. So she made all this delicious food with flavors that I never had before in combination, like something sweet with ground black pepper, which you would think is not tasty, but oh my, it makes your mouth explode. Sounds good. I was getting excited by the way the food looked, by the way it tasted. So we said, we're going to do this and we're going to reverse diabetes. We're not, we're not going to maintain diabetes. We're, we're going for full reversal. I told Love my it. doctor the next week, I want to come off the statins because I'm not ingesting cholesterol anymore. My, you're going to watch my cholesterol drop. Next time I come back, we're going to talk about coming off the insulin. Eventually, we're going to talk about coming off the blood pressure meds, which I thought would be last. But that was the transition. The, the more research I read, the more – I don't want to oversimplify it, but it, it is truly simple. It is, it is one plus one equals two, period. There's no, as you read, there's no debate in the results of the lifestyle. Um, yep. So we jumped in with both feet. So what um, insulin dose were you on at this point? Uh, 26 units a day, once a day. Okay, so just the long-acting insulin, 26 units once a day. But And were you well-controlled? Was your A1C at goal at this point, or was it still a little high? So we didn't know. Uh, my no. initial diagnosis was a 13. We were waiting for the end of the three months to get another metabolic panel and a new A1C. But, but I began charting. My doctor said twice a day, morning and evening, which, which is okay. But I wanted to see if I ate this, what happened? If I ate this, how long would it take for my sugars to come back down? I was seeing on a graph that by changing the way I eat in conjunction with the insulin, my blood sugars were down into the low hundreds, like 101, 102, every single morning. Mm -hmm. Once in a while, I'd have a spike, but I had eliminated any spikes above 185. If there was a spike, it was not above 185. And eventually eliminated that to no spike above 145 awesome. just by those changes. Um, Which is a normal, think, normal yeah. glucose. Yep. Did you eliminate oil in this process too or did that come later? No, that came when we, when we pulled the trigger, out went the dairy, the eggs, the milk, the cheese, the oil, 100% compliant. So can you talk a little bit about the removal of the oil i don't know if you're like very familiar with the physiological process of the oil and everything but like why don't if you're truly whole food plant-based no oil wh like why don't we eat oil basically sure. great question and it's um you know as, as a lay person but a research junkie some concepts take me a while to get my head around um, that was one that took me took me a while to really figure it out but i kept reading until i got it the simple answer is it's empty calories I'm going to take mm -hmm. a tablespoon of oil. That's 100 calories of nothing that I'm putting in my body when I could be putting in 100 calories of nutrient. That's the simple answer. The more complex answer that I was finally able to grasp, and, and you'll know these terms better than I am, there's a, there's a cell inside your veins whose job it is to move cholesterol and process out toxicity through your body. And when you cover that with oil or fat, it impedes that process. And then I took that a little further in, in my research, it seems to me that the cause of diabetes is fat. It's not carbs. It, it's fat. It's fat that surrounds your pancreas so that your pancreas can't figure out when to make insulin. And when it does, it pushes out of your system and the fat that blocks the muscle doesn't let the insulin in. So it's, right. it's, it's a reaction to a fat buildup of which oil is going to be part of that. So right. let's get all the fat out. Let's get all the fat out of the body. Yeah. So it's too much fat, right? So when our bodies 
we have our natural storage of fat, which is our fat cells, and they it goes into then into the subcutaneous tissue to store fat for when we need it. But the problem is that then we never really need it because we never go into that calorie deficit. So we just end up having too much fat and it has nowhere to go. So it goes to the liver, it impedes the liver, it goes to the muscle cells, it impedes the muscle cells, and then the rest of the hormones can't do their jobs. And insulin is a hormone, it can't do its proper proper signaling. So those high levels of fat end up causing lots of problems. Yeah. Um, and everyone's body responds to that in a different way. So one of the most empowering things I think I've learned on this like wellness journey is that everyone's body responds to the same kind of stressor in its own way. So you might get diabetes, someone else might get rheumatoid arthritis, someone else might get Alzheimer's. They're all connected to an unhealthy way of eating. So all of that happened in this in a three-month period. So you went from eating healthy and then switching over to whole food plant-based all in the same three months. Um, end of July to mid-September, so a month and a half. Okay, awesome. Now you're kind of fully converted. Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit about like what you're what you're normally eating on a day to day basis. It's always such a hard question to eat because there's a simple answer, but it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't explain it to people who don't know. Right. Simple answer is I eat fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. That's the I, simple answer. A lot but, of people can't even imagine a meal without having meat at the meal. Yeah. So. Yep. You have to kind of, I mean, I think you have to like break it down and tell people exactly like try eating one meal with no meat and see what you're eating and then you'll know how to eat without meat. Yep. So my breakfast is pretty consistent. Um, I have steel cut oats. I usually throw in a half a cup of quinoa. I throw in a cup of blueberries, um, some turmeric, some cinnamon, some ground black pepper and a cup of almond milk. That's a pretty standard breakfast. Packs about between four and 550 calories. If I throw some dates on there, that jumps up a little bit. Very little fat in that, though. A decent carb load gives me plenty of energy and keeps me full. So that's breakfast. And it's delicious. Sometimes I'll throw it over baby spinach leaves. Really delicious. That's breakfast. Sounds good. Lunch is going to be uh, – I, I hope you're not a salad fan. Lunch initially was this three or four cup salad with balsamic vinegar, mm -hmm. which was great for like a week. And then I couldn't do it anymore. It's mm -hmm. it's too green. It's too hard to chew. It takes too long, <laughs> and it's frankly too filling. It's it hits your stomach like a my stomach like a rock. Right. So, so now lunch is um, some sort of stew, a vegetable stew, a curried stew, something made in a in a slow cooker that we make on a Sunday, and I eat it all week. And then I put that over quinoa and black beans, or quinoa and bulgur beet. Bulgur wheat. I try to combine. Uh, Two, two good starches in there. Um, sometimes lunch can be as simple as a cup of spaghetti squash on top of that those same grains. And then I'll just season that up with chili pepper or sriracha, oh, sriracha sauce with spaghetti squash. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Snacks are two apples and two mandarin oranges spread throughout the day. Um, and, and then dinner, depending on, depending on what I did with my food combinations during the day, could either be another one of those casserole things or, you know, sometimes I'll help them make like a, a uh, black bean burger or a lentil burger and some sweet potato fries. So dinner's fairly traditional minus the meat, but but it looks very traditional. Or sometimes if I load it up at lunch, I'll just have, you know, I'll steam up some things, some some asparagus and spinach or asparagus and kale. Uh, but that's a that's a pretty no uh, typical day. Are you ever hungry? No. 
In fact, I'm running currently probably a three to 400 calorie a day deficit every day. Mm-hmm. And, and some days it's hard to get there. Uh, especially if I eat, if I eat a big, huge salad, I'm, I'm done. Like I can't put anything else in there for a long. So, yeah, I think that's another misconception that people have is like, I'm not going to be full or I'm not going to be satisfied. But when you're truly doing like a whole food plant-based diet, you can eat as much as you want and you're not going to gain weight and you'll be very full and very satisfied because the food is so nutrient dense and it doesn't have a lot of calories. How much weight have you lost total, I guess, and how much are you are you now? So starting weight back in July was 269. As of this morning, I'm 216, so 53 oh, wow. pounds. In a really short time. Uh, yeah, July to end of November. So okay. August, September, to four months. And so are you trying to lose a little more, or is that the a good weight for your height? No, I probably want to do about 30 more. If, if okay. you read the BMI, they want me to do about 50 more, but the BMI has not seen the size of my head and doesn't realize <laughs> what I would look like with 50 more pounds off of me. So about 30 more pounds is where I'll Okay. Well, it sounds off. like you'll easily do that with your yeah. current lifestyle. That's my guess. And, and I have a theory, and we'll see if it holds. My theory is when I hit my optimal weight, whatever my chemistry decides that is, it's going to level off because I, I will be as hungry as my body needs me to be. I, I won't be craving more foods because I'm eating the, the nutrient dense. Um, and as long as I don't feel hungry, my body's getting enough to maintain that weight. My guess is I won't even have to say I'm done losing weight. My body will just stop losing weight. Right. Your body is smart. So are you, what, what is, what do your medications look like now? So I came off the statins first because okay. my cholesterol um, was just wasn't even high. It was in the high normal range. They wanted me on statins because of the diabetes. But when I stopped ingesting cholesterol, there's no reason for the statins. So we came off that very early. Um, my cholesterol is now down over 50 points. My last metabolic, it was a 132. So that proved right. Your total or your LDL? Uh, my total was a is 132. 132? Yeah, hold on. Let me wow. put my sheet up. Yeah, total cholesterol 132. My HDL is 47. My cholesterol, my triglycerides are 62, Ooh. and my uh, LDLs are 73. That is a lipid panel that we strive for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and medicine. I'm still, I'm still kind of a fat guy. So those are amazing numbers for still kind of a heavy guy, you know? Yeah, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. So then next, um, I wanted to come off the insulin next. My endocrinologist uh, had a family emergency, so we missed an appointment. And I said to my wife, I'm, I'm not waiting for her to come back. Like, I'm going to reduce this three units a day. Don't try this at home, kids. I'm not a trained professional, but I'm a crazy person. Um, I did some research. It seemed like three units a day wasn't going to kill me. I was able to reduce 14 units total on my own and watch my uh, blood sugars maintain in that low 100 fasting range. So then I finally saw her. I told her what I did. She said, okay, great. But by the time I saw her, my new A1C was a 7. So I went from a 13 to a 7 in three months. And I said to her, I want, I want to come off the insulin altogether. She said, well, you need to replace that with something. I said, why? And she said, because yeah, you do. I said, I'll tell you what. How about we go on metformin um, and we'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. What I want, my body to have an ability to begin to manage its own insulin. I don't want to give it any more assistance with insulin. Um, but I will compromise and we'll do metformin until we decide that we're coming off that too. But ultimately I'm, I'm going to come off that too. 
And that day I went uh, for that visit, my blood pressure was like 106 over 72. And yep. I didn't plan on it, but I said to her, I'm coming off the blood pressure meds today. Today. And she reminded me that the blood pressure meds are not just for your blood pressure. It also helps you with some liver damage or kidney damage. Kidneys, yep. And I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to have diabetes anymore. So there's, there's nothing to protect it from. So we came off that as well. Uh, Were you only so, on one blood pressure medicine? Yes. Uh, okay. The one that starts with an L. What is that one? Lysinopril. Yeah. Yeah, that actually – so we – I work in a um, in office, and the medical director here is a bariatrician, so he specializes in weight loss. And getting rid of blood pressure medication, we if people are going to embark on, like, a weight loss journey, we'll remove them preemptively to them even leaving the office because – it's such an immediate change when you make a positive lifestyle change yep. that your blood pressure starts to come back to normal. Yep. So now you're only on metformin. I'm on metformin 1,000 milligrams twice a day. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay on that. Since, since I've come off the insulin, I've noticed a little bit of an increase in my sugar readings. Mm-hmm. Still within normal range. Um, but until I get that back into the low hundreds or below, I'm, I'm not even going to say, let's come off the metformin yet. I want to give my body some time to adjust. I'm a little bit more comfortable with what the metformin does to and for my body. It's in my head, it's fairly unobtrusive. Yep. Uh, and it's a good assistant for getting my cells used to metabolizing these carbohydrates and insulin. So I'm willing to stay on that, but my plan is to be off of it completely. Yes, in the diabetes world, we love metformin. Mm-hmm. Do you track anything? Like, do you log your food? Do you track your calories, your macros, or anything? On your day-to-day? I drink everything. Okay. If if it goes into my mouth, it was on a piece of paper first. Okay. Do you you just use a journal or do you use an app or anything? So there's an app that my wife and I both use called Chronometer, which is wonderful. I put in the food and it'll tell me all the macros, all the micros. It'll keep track of my ratios for me, which which I have found to be very important. Uh, It'll allow me to write a recipe and calculate everything in the recipe. Um, and it'll allow me to run a report over time. So when you show up in your doctor's office and say, I want to come off insulin and she says, why I can show her here's, here's the correlation between my blood sugar graphs and my nutritional graphs. And I can show you on days when I eat a high percentage of fat, my blood sugar goes up same line. So it's really helpful to show reports to people who you're working with, who may not be used to, uh, seeing success on this. And I don't think you can address this anecdotally, by the way, I feel better. I think you need to show Proof, graphs, numbers, charts, so that the scientist mind, which is probably the smarter one than the emotional mind, can say, oh, there, there's obviously something to this. I don't think many doctors, especially endocrinologists, are just going to take you off of your insulin because you say you feel better. They're going to say, you feel better because you're on your insulin. <laughs> yep. But if you're showing, hey, look, I've reduced my insulin to tw- from 26 to 12 units and my blood sugar didn't go up, then they're going to... Yep. They'll take that a little bit more. So do you feel like you have to track or are you just doing that because it helps you? So that's a great question. I am a bit of an addictive personality. Part of my current success is my ability to be um, very focused on it. It's not a game. I only use the word game, but I don't mean like it's a fun game. But to me, it's a game. It's I, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly what to eat. I know how to control. I can predict what my blood sugars are going to be three hours from now. I can predict what it's going to be tomorrow. Um, I, I can see all that. So I need to do it. I need to sit down in the morning and say, what am I going to eat today? Put it all on paper, 
know exactly what the math is, pack it up in my lunch bag, and then don't eat anything else. So I need to do it. Does everybody need to do it? I, I don't know. I need to do it. I think one of the benefits, again, of a truly whole food plant-based diet is that you don't need to track. So some people that works really well for them and some people it's just a hassle. So, but you don't actually need to because for, for everyone, every t- personality type, because if you're eating healthy, then you're getting everything that you need. What are your, what's your macronutrient ratio? So fats, carbs, proteins, do you try to stick within a certain range for each? So I'm 75% carbs. Uh, I am between 10 and 13% fats. The closer I can keep that to 10, the better I'm doing. Um, And I'm about 15% protein. My proteins tend to go a little bit higher, but that's, that's where I'm trying to be now. Some of those things are going to adjust over time. I'm, I'm really cautious on the fats right now because I'm, I'm trying to get that blood sugar control and insulin working properly. Once that's going, my guess is I'm probably going to come up closer to 20% fat, but I'm just I'm not there. My wife is eating closer to that. My wife, she graphs too, but she doesn't have the same medical issues that I do. So for her, as long as she eats this way, she's going to feel better and be fine. She does it more as, um, well, she likes control too. She likes to see exactly what she's doing. But her ratios are a little bit different than mine. Yeah, for a... Um a healthy person that's not trying to reverse disease, I would say around a 20% fat is a good, a good place to aim Mm -hmm. and still hard, especially if you're eating a higher amount of like avocados or nuts and seeds, or if you're eating any oil, you're going to blow. Yeah. So (laughs) if I was eating oil, it would be almost impossible. Um, what I have to be really careful about is I, I don't eat avocado and I don't eat nuts and seeds right now. My goal is I want to, because I love nuts and seeds. Uh, but those are two foods that right now I just can't fit them in. I'm, I'm getting the fats from my beans, of course, uh, a little bit from my vegetables, but I can't. If I do that, I, I see a blood sugar spike, and until until my body can manage that, I'm not. I, right, again, right. I, if I wanted to stay on meds all my life, I probably wouldn't care because I love nuts and seeds, but I want to get off them. So I'm, that's why I'm running the numbers I'm running now. But, yes, to me, I have to, I have to track them. So do you, do you have people that ask you, like, but you have diabetes. How can you eat fruit? Yeah. <laughs> Questions yep. like that. As and I what do you tell them? Banana. Absolutely. Um, well, what I do, if, if they're really interested, which probably 70% of the people that ask that question aren't really interested. They're just trying to tell you that from what they know, you're wrong. So to them, I thank them very much and tell them I appreciate their opinions. But if they're really interested, I'll, I'll show them my numbers. I'll show them the charts. And I'll, and I'll give them some of the resources that I've read and I'll ask them, read it if you want. Like, I didn't make this up. I'm, I've never been to school for this. But I don't, I don't think most people that ask that are really curious. It is a total paradigm shift, though, for how we normally think. Yep. Because people think, I'm eating, I'm going to eat a banana and my blood sugar is going to spike up to 200. But that's just yep. a result of everything else that you've eaten before you ate the banana. And then we victimize the banana. Yep. So the way I prove that to myself. When I first started this, if I, I, I would eat a banana in August. Let's see what happens. And my blood sugar would go through the roof, and it would stay there for many, many hours. But then as I made these other tweaks and changes, particularly it was the fat. When I dropped my fat ratio from 15% to 12%, I could eat a banana. Like mm-hmm. That was the test for me. So I will show them the day that happened. I'll show them the food that I ate, and I'll show them the results. Now I eat one banana two or three times a week. Not a half a banana, a whole banana. Yep. With no spikes. It goes to 145. That's it. So I, I can show them if they're really curious. So what advice do you have for other people that may be interested in converting to a whole food plant-based diet? So 
that's a weird question for me too because everybody <laughs> do it differently. Yep. I think my first advice is you, you better ask yourself why you're interested in converting. If you don't understand why you want to convert, it doesn't matter what advice you get. Then my second advice is how, how do you want to get there? Completely, 80%, quickly, slowly. My biggest true advice, no matter what your situation, is you, you got to read. Like you, you can't guess at this. You, you can get pretty sick by eating too much of anything or not enough of certain things. You, you've got to read. You have to do the research. And it would be really helpful to get into a, a support community, whether that's on Facebook, with your friends, in person, to be with other people who've done it, who, who've had successes or made mistakes that can identify things you're doing correctly or incorrectly early on. And most importantly, to help support you when you have to go to your family and say, I'm not eating turkey for Thanksgiving. And how do you get through that when grandma says, but you need turkey and not emotionally <laughs> collapse. You need people who've been through this before. I would agree. Yes. Yeah, support systems and for any kind of lifestyle change that you're trying to make or thing that you have to deal with for a long time are, is always helpful. Yep. All right. So my final uh, question, I want to circle back to the goat farm. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, do you grow anything or are you just, you just have goats? So what do you guys do? Great question. My wife grew up up here uh, okay. where we in the mountains. I grew up in the city where we didn't grow. Um, but her family has been uh, in the pork business and uh, butchering business for many, 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 many years. It's how they make a living. It's how they provide it for their families. It's how they live. They're wonderful people. The food is truly delicious. I live on property with my father-in-law, who's a wonderful man, and he's retired, and he raises dairy goats, mostly as a hobby. And he makes cheese. He makes goat milk soap. Um, he's not butchering the goats, but he, they are part of his lifestyle and part of his nutrition. Kefir, wonderful kefir, uh, comes from the goats. We do have enough land to grow food. However, when you weigh 265 pounds in the middle of August, the thought of bending over and weeding a garden isn't isn't fun. Um, right. So we've tried and we failed because I can't maintain it. But I am so looking forward to this spring because I'm up at 4 in the morning now anyway to going down and growing most of the food that's going to get me through the spring and into the fall because physically I can now. Yeah. Schedule-wise, I have the time now because I'm, I'm awake and I have energy. So we are going to grow our own food. That's awesome and amazing. And one of my other kind of research interests is regenerative agriculture and regener regenerative farming. And one of the like main components of it is to have grazing animals on the the area where you grow your food because it helps to maintain the health of the soil mm -hmm. and so your goats are going to be an integral component of that yep. it's awesome all right i'm going to ask you my final question that i ask all my guests and that is if you have one health and wellness tip that you can provide what would it be wow um we touched <laughs> on it earlier pay attention to the connection between your spirit and your body because some aspects of health and wellness that we attribute to the way we eat or our lifestyle or our personality actually cross-feed from each other. So for me, my learning is health and wellness can't be treated on one side of the fence. It, it has to be done together. And if your nutrition is off or your spirit is, is not functioning at, at its best, you're going to have a harder time reaching your optimal health and wellness. 
That is amazing. Your gut brain axis is definitely real and it's yeah. something that we're learning more about every day. Yeah. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for chatting with me. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. I hope that you did too. It was a great conversation. I think I learned some things from you. I'm your journey has been I feel like you're doing an amazing job, so that's great. Um, I have a group called A New Choice. If you want to pop over there, we could use yeah. people who are well-educated because these are all people who have no idea how to make any of these choices. I would choice. love that. Okay, so A New Choice for any of our listeners that might want to join. And what's, what is the premise of the group? Just for people to get support doing whole food plant-based? Yep. So I started the group um, when I first got diagnosed as a way of helping myself, which sounds selfish, but I need that. I need to write this out. I need to talk about this. My concept was that these are choices that I make and I have to make new choices. And I am not sick with diabetes. I am dancing with a condition and I have to learn how to dance by making new choices. That was the initial premise. Um, so it's really an open and accepting group. We don't. It doesn't matter to us if you eat meat. It doesn't matter to us if you eat mud. We just want you to be interested in hearing about the choices people make and the impact that it has on their body. My hope is that as you read that from one another, you're going to make different choices because somebody researched when you eat mud, you don't feel well. Awesome. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'll join that. That'll be awesome. Cool. Thank you, man. Um, all right, Mark. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. All right, ma'am. Have a good day. All right, Mark. You too. Bye-bye. All right, friends. So that was all that we had for you today. I hope that you really enjoyed everything that you heard in that conversation. And I do have to say I have a little update for everyone since I did um, have that conversation with Mark a few weeks ago. And he actually has since come off of his metformin and he is doing amazing. He His blood glucose has been within normal range most of the time without using any medications, simply just controlling it with his diet and going to the gym. He, he has increased his workouts frequency a little bit to help his body keep his blood sugar in a normal range now that he's not using any medications, um, but he has been doing awesome. So if you are interested in following on his journey and learning more about this plant-based lifestyle, join Mark's group that he referenced, which is called A New Choice on Facebook. And you can definitely learn more about the whole food plant-based way of eating and just have a great community and a great support group to um, help you and give you advice and tips. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope that you have a happy and healthy day.